Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. We are here with the second podcast episode for 2018. When in and Perso did a bang-up job last weekend kicking the season off, and you're lucky enough to have myself, Nick, and... Unfortunately, we couldn't get the 2017 champion, so we had to settle for second best. We had to settle for the 2016 champion. We've got Wilfred on the other end of the line this week. Wilfred, mate, great to have you back for another year. How's things? Yeah, good. Thanks, Nick. It's good to be back. And yeah, I know, I know I'm washed up. Um, <laughs> I'm even calling my team name this year. I'm calling my, my team the has-beens. So, you know, the truth hurts. Yeah, mate, you're 2016 news, but that's okay. We'll... We'll keep you around, mate, for another year and get you involved as much as we can. But have you been enjoying the off-season or are you ready to get back into it? Oh, I'm keen to watch some footy, hey. It's been it's been long enough. Um, and, and, you know, looking into the stats and things like that actually got me pretty excited today. Um, so I'm keen, I'm keen for the season to start. Yeah, for sure. It's good. We've got trials coming up this weekend and we're, we're sort of... We're less than four weeks now away from... The first Thursday night game, which is good. I think we've had enough cricket and I don't know what else is soccer and bloody NFL season's finished, NBA's in full swing, but it's almost time to get back into some footy, which is excellent. Um, Just to let you guys know what we're going to do with the podcasts, uh, tonight Wilfred and I are going to talk through the forwards. So we're just going to look at some, some of the guns in the front row and second row. And some of the cheapies in the mid-ranges are from those two positions as well. And when in and Perso uh, will be back again on the weekend with the backs forecast. Now, Wilfred, you've prepared the run sheet tonight, mate. And like we, like I mentioned, it's forwards. And for some reason, there's no hookers on the run sheet. Not, not a full, no hookers are no longer forwards, according to you. <laughs> well, you know, when I think of forwards, I, I think I think in supercoach terms, you know, they've got the front row forward and the second row forward. So I don't I don't see a hook, hooker row forward anywhere. So that that's the way my mind worked. So obviously we had a bit of a miscommunication there. <laughs> that's all good. Maybe we can chuck five minutes or so on the end of the pod. Oh, about I can do it now. Hookers. You know, we talk about Cameron Smith. Done, right? Isn't Cameron that how it works? Smith. Mate, I read somewhere, I read a thing today that someone else has been training partly at hooker. Was it Riley Jacks? Yeah, he, he played 20 minutes on the, on the, in the trial at hooker. Oh, mate, uh, that could throw a spanner amongst the, or a spanner amongst the, into the works, couldn't it? Yeah, and apparently Brandon Smith um, has also been training at lock as well as obviously playing at, at hooker, which is his natural position. So a couple of things to think about there for, for Smith owners, but no doubt we'll have another uh, more detailed chat when we find out more information about it. Yeah, definitely, mate. I'm a, I'm a Smith and a rookie at the moment. I've got Smith and then just Havili just sitting there, you know, depending on what happens at the Raiders there with those rookies and Blake Austin and whatnot. But if you're not going Smith and a rookie, just quickly before we get into the big boppers... Of the of the sort of the rest, you know, you've got McCulloch, Friend, Coruscant, McInnes, Peets, Isaac, Luke, maybe, Damian Cook, maybe looks like he might be playing eighty. Michael Leisha, a few are keen on him. Is there any of those guys that you that sort of jump out at you if you're not going with Smithy? I think uh, I mean a lot's been said about Damian Cook. He's probably if he's guaranteed the eighty minutes and Farah's nowhere near to be seen. He's probably the best option there, I reckon. Um, Leisha, if he's getting the 80 minutes, I think um, there's a great play of interest article on there. But I think the question mark is over uh, New Brown, who could end up as the utility, and he obviously played a bit of nine when he was at the Sharks. Um, there is some whispers around that apparently Coruscant might get 80 minutes, but that really comes down to what the Manly Brent, the, the Seagulls bench looks like. So. That's uh, it, it. It piqued my interest there, um, but yeah, I think I don't think you could go near McCullough coming off an ACL. No, nah. uh, I don't think you could go near Jake Friend 
with um, you know Kronk now kind of in charge there. Uh, plus, obviously, there's always going to be a utility there. I think they they were talking about having young Radley um, play the Connor Watson role from last year, so he could end up stealing some minutes off friend. Uh, I mean, McInnes just. I don't think it was overly exciting. He got off to a hot start, but then after that, he seemed pretty underwhelming overall for the rest of the season. So, yeah, none of the names really stand out aside from, you know, guys like Cook and Leisha if they get the minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we'll get it. Yeah, the next sort of three or four weeks will tell us a lot. And as we say every year, it all depends on round one teams. But I'm sticking with the Smithy and the rookie option for now. I think he's just that much for that far ahead of everyone else in the position. Even if there is maybe a little bit of a risk that he plays um, a few less minutes, look, I don't think it'll be too many. To be honest, obviously, they've fixed up the the rep period this year and he's going to get a bit more rest than he's used to. So I'm sticking with Smithy and a rookie, but let's see what happens over the next three or four weeks. All right, let's go straight into front row, mate. And look, we were talking before we jumped on the pod there's been a lot of coverage, you know, from the Daily Telegraph who stepped it up again this year uh, and a few other bits and pieces about uh, the cheapies in the mid-ranges, etc. So we'll talk about these guys later on, but we might not spend as long on them. We might spend a little bit longer on some of the guns because there's a lot of uh, guns in the front row, second row, and... You know, the more guns you start with, the less trades you need to make. The more the more keepers you start with in your team, you know, the less keepers you need to get in, basically. So my front row at the moment, look, I've, I made this team a couple of weeks ago and I haven't really touched it since, but I'm sitting on Ryan James uh, and actually in the front row this is, Ryan James and actually Ben Madalino from the Tigers. Now, look, I wouldn't really call Madalino a gun and Ryan James is probably you know, just under a gun, but I, I might make a couple of moves there, but they're the two sort of semi-random guys I'm sitting on. Mate, who are you sitting on? And then come off the back of that and talk about some of these sort of top five guns that you've got here on the run sheet. So right now I've got Sammy Burgess and Madalino as my two ah, Madalino. Uh, starters. Yes, brothers. But... Uh, after the the research I did earlier today, just to you know help prepare for this run sheet, I don't know. I, I'm I'm really torn on how I want to approach this because I think it's well to to put it in context. Burgess averaged just a sh- shy of 65 last year. He's third of all the averaging options from 2017 for the front row forward position. So the order goes Vaughn to Powell, Sergis, Fafita, and Woods. They're the top five averages, but because Sergis is dual position, he actually ranked 10th from the second row forwards. So there's nine better options in the second row forwards based on last year's averages. So when I found that out and I realized that, I was thinking I might have to rethink how I approach, yeah, how I approach the start of round one because that, that that's I think that was huge, you know. That yeah, mate, there's I... nine guys from second row forward who did better than Sergis. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in for a sec. I'm done with Burgess. I'm done with him. He will not be in my team at all this season. Done with him. Always getting injured. Always, every game you watch, you know, you have to worry, oh, is he going to go off with the head knock? Is he going to, how many minutes is he going to play? What's going to happen? I'm done with him. He's dead to me. I, I I don't blame you, especially now they're talking about him shifting onto the left edge. But, you know, um, look, do we want to talk about him now? We can we can jump straight in and have a chat about him. May as well. Yep, he's dead to me. That's my analysis. <laughs> so <laughs> five seventy three thousand roughly. He's one of the few few dual position forwards sitting around. Um, and yeah, the chat is he's going to play on the left edge. So he doesn't have a lot of games playing eighty minutes on the left edge. And I think, and, and I I can't say this with any confidence at all, but he started four games um, there in 2014 so that was his incredible season um where he averaged 89 across the season so he scored in those four games 108.5 points per game so it's massive he actually averaged um yeah so 108.5 points per game from purely his base stats and like what i call base attack so that's tackle bust and offloads he averaged 74 points per game so 
he's basically gotten those four games roughly, you know, 34 points from his tries and, and um, other attacking stats. Yeah, look, I mean, that's obviously huge, but to be fair, those were the glory days of Sam Burgess, you know, three or four years ago when he was tearing it up. Do you really think that he's that same player these days? Yeah, look, I, I have to agree. I don't think he's quite the same. Um, and, and the only sample size we've got from, from last year, he played, he started on the left edge uh, in round 25 last year. He scored 38, playing 80 minutes against the Storm. But So not, not, not very impressive <laughs> in, that, in that front. So it's a tough call. Um, I had put him in based on Inglis being left center, though. Mm, okay. I like the sound of Cody Walker, Sam Burgess, and Greg Inglis running around together. That that to me sounds like a really potent attacking edge, and I could see you know Walker doing quite well, and and Big Sam uh, getting some meat fairly often. Yeah, yeah. Look, fair enough. I mean, he's just. I just don't, excuse me, I don't think he's the same player he was yeah, three or four I, years ago. I just, I can't deal with him anymore. That's fair. And with the, you know, the bar schedule changing now, uh, there's certainly less incentive to pick some of these Englishmen. You know, a lot of the appeal was they didn't have to play Origin, um, but that's not quite as a, a big of a deal anymore because they still have one buy over the two buy rounds. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly, mate. What do you think about Paul Vaughan? 602k, obviously coming off a career year. Um, you know, went from a 51 average up to a 67 average after he moved from the Raiders to the Dragons. A heap of attacking stats, especially early on in the season. Doubled his tries, almost double line breaks, almost tripled his offloads. Can he, can he do it again? That's the question. Can he repeat a career year again in 2018? I think the the gut would probably say no, and, and you know isn't that one of the the ten commandments? You know, never pick career, yeah. uh, a player after a career year, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, he's he went from only just roughly forty minutes per game um, back when he was at the Raiders to playing you know forty seven a game as a, you know as a starting prop for the Dragons. So it's not like he got a massive amount of increase in minutes. But yeah, like you said, the the attacking stats were 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 across the board just better. So, how does James Graham coming on board help him or, or hurt him? I, I think that's the big unknown there. Mm. Um, and and you know, I guess with the change in rotation, with Joel Thompson going, that's eighty minutes that used to be there locked up every week. Um, you know, how how do they manage to to fill that? So, there's a you know a couple of options for the Dragons there and. You know, depending on what they do, it could end up actually hurting Vaughn because they might be, you know, they might need more than one player to play eighty to to fill the eighty minutes on the left edge. So that might be one, you know, uh, bench spot taken up. And like, I guess there's a lot of unknowns there. So I don't, I personally couldn't start with Vaughn. Uh, just it's too much money for a lot of attacking stats for a prop. Yeah, agreed. Look, he's a good player, and he's probably still going to average 60, but I'd say he's probably overpriced by maybe about 50K or so. So, look, he might be one to look at uh, maybe after six or eight weeks or something if his price drops a little bit. And I think you can sort of say the same analysis for Tapao. Again, this excellent run sheet that you've prepared here tells me that in 2016 he averaged 53 in the front row, and 2017, that jumped up to 65. Uh, I know his minutes did increase from 48 to 52, um, but he had a massive increase in offloads, it looks like. And again, it's it's sort of a career super coach year for Tapao in 2017, and are those stats, in particular those offloads, uh, replicable in 2018? And I would, I would say no, he'd be a stay away for mine. Yeah, it's a really tough one because... He did, like, the general trend last year was that he got better minutes when the bench was weaker, and a lot of it was tied to Darcy Lussick. Um, for whatever reason, Trent Barrett seemed to, to trust Lussick a bit more than the other bench options. So whenever he played, he got enough minutes that, that saw to power get, you know, even if it was five minutes less, ten minutes less, it made a huge difference, obviously, to, to his output. Um, he rarely, you know, played more than 50 minutes when he was, um, you know, having to share... 
time with Lossie. So how that plays out this year, I mean, the, the, the Seagulls bench is a big unknown as well because, like I said, there's the rumours that um, Coruscant might have to play 80 because they're not going to have uh, a bench utility. They might not have Hastings or whatever it is, um, you know, filling that role. So if they carry a 4 forward bench, then obviously that, you know, you can only imagine that his minutes are going to go down. But I don't necessarily think his offloads are going to disappear because it definitely seemed like it was a game plan kind of situation. Like there was a definite setup um, for to power to try offload. Um, I think someone pointed out it was very often on the third or fourth tackle. He would, you know, intentionally look for the offload um, as he, you know, take the ball into the line. So certainly seemed like a plan and you know if that's the case it, it, i don't see why it would change because it obviously helped the seagulls do quite well in attack so it comes down to minutes for me if he gets the minutes he's a definite option i just don't know if he's going to get those minutes from the start of the season yeah yeah he's a stay away for mine one who could be in for a bit of a bounce back though is the fourth guy on your list andrew Fafita. um Look, his his average decreased from 72 down to 64 last year. Uh, minutes per game stay pretty consistent at about 56. He's he's pretty reliable. Played 22 games each of the last two years. Um, it was just really his PPM. They took a big dip last season. Obviously, we know that Fafita's been a super coach gun for a number of years now. He's averaged over 70 in three of the past four seasons. I would, I wouldn't, I would take a flyer on him. Um, I would select him ahead of any of the other three guys that we've spoken about, just with that proven ability over a number of years to smash out those big scores. Um, I think he he could be in for a bit of a bounce back season this year. Yeah, he's he's definitely a good a good candidate for a bounce back. Uh, I think that the key thing from last year uh, and the difference with 2016 is Paul Gallon's health. Um, because Garland was healthy all last year, he played every single game, every club game, it definitely made a difference from in terms of how many runs Fafita took. So um, I did a little bit of digging. In 2016, he made uh, 398 runs, keeping in mind they played the same game. He played in the same number of games both years. So 398 runs with 230 of them being over 8 metres and 168 being under. So on a percentage basis, that's 62.5% of his runs being over eight meters so in 2017 he his runs dropped to 337 with 192 being over eight meters and 145 being under eight meters so that percentage dropped five percent to 57 percent of his runs being over eight meters so that coupled with you know almost um you know actually just a touch over 60 runs across the season um you know missing from his output uh, I think that was a, a primary reason why his, his points dropped. So because if you look at his attacking stats all across the board, they're all pretty similar. They're not too different across two years. So a lot of it came down to this one one difference. And I think, you know, what, who else is going to hog all the runs except Paul Gallen? Yeah, that's interesting, mate. That's great analysis. So basically averaging just under three less runs per game last season and like you say probably directly associated with Gallon being healthy so so do we think Gallon can stay healthy again this season I suppose that's a question isn't it yeah it's definitely the question and I think you know one of the old strategies used to be start with Gallon switch to Fifita once Gal got injured right I think that could come <laughs> into play again yeah the only thing is obviously there's less dual position players uh, which makes your your trade a little bit harder than it used to be yes yes definitely yeah yeah, look, Fafita's an interesting one. I might, I might just keep an eye on him during preseason and see how he's looking, I think. There was um, also a little bit of chat about him only just recovering or just getting out of the rehab group. So he has been injured for most, or, or sorry, recovering from surgery uh, for, for a lot um, of this off-season. So I, I, there might be some question marks about his fitness come round one. Yeah, it may have, may be a bit of a slow starter, maybe. Yeah, it could be. I mean, he, he, he usually tends to be anyway, but yeah, even more true. so this year. Yeah, okay. Fifth on the list is Woodsy. Uh, Wenin and Perso spoke a bit about him last year. 
in 10 seconds. I don't like him. I just He's got long hair. I don't like the way he plays. <laughs> I don't care that he's gone to the Bulldogs. His average is of 63 last year was his highest in four seasons. 58 minutes per game. I know he's going to probably just take over that James Graham role, but that's a lot of minutes. He's still young. I mean, I give him that. He's only... He's not even 27 yet, um, but I just I don't like him and I won't be selecting him. What about you? 10 seconds, go. Yeah, look, I think there's too many unknowns for me for the new Bulldogs rotation. Like the rumour is Elliot's going to play lock um, and Glenmore will push back into the forwards, uh, sorry, the, the front row, which means, you know, where does Tolman go? Does he play the, the old James Graham role back when he was, you know, playing... Uh, coming on at the 20-minute mark and staying on for the rest of the game. Like, who knows with Tolman? Um, so too many unknowns for me, so I can't start there. But I'll definitely have my eye on Woodsy because, obviously, like the second half of last year, he really, really did well. Like It was quite some quite impressive, the scores he pumped out. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll give him that. He did play quite well in the back half of the year. All right, let's, let's have a look at some of the cheaper players and some of the mid-rangers in particular. And we won't go into detail about all these guys, but I thought one maybe who we should talk about, considering that we've both got him in our team at the moment, is Ben Madalino, who's obviously gone from the Warriors over to the Tigers this season. Uh, coming off a 52 average last year, where he only played 50 minutes per game. I've selected him because I'm, I'm hopeful that he moves into that Aaron Woods role, you know, and maybe he can play 54, 55 minutes per game. Uh, he, he averaged 58 minutes in 2015 and averaged 62 supercoach points. So if he can get up back up to that 60 average, you know, he could be underpriced by about 50 or 60K. So that's why I've got him in my team at the moment. He's by no means a, a lock in my team. Um, I've just got him sitting there because I thought he might be a little bit of value. Is that sort of how you're seeing it? Yeah, 100%. You, you list all the reasons I had my eye on him initially. Um, look, there's obviously, uh, you know, cons there because he's got dodgy knees from, for if you believe the rumours. Uh, apparently he failed a fitness with the Knights because um, of his knees, and that's why he ended up with the Tigers. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but that's the word that is going around. Um, he's also, you know, yeah, very much the the idea that he could step into the Aaron Woods role and, and get that license to offload that Woods had um, from when Cleary took over onwards. Um, you know, if, if that's the case, then Madalena might find his offload, which we, we know he's got a good one. But obviously at the Warriors, Steve Kearney probably t- told him to tuck it away. Um, so that's another con. Uh, sorry, another, obviously, a pro. Another con, I guess, about picking him, and then I only realised this when I look, took a look at the draw before, but... He actually plays Melbourne twice um, in the first five rounds. And I guess traditionally Melbourne is probably the, the worst team to play as a, as a middle forward uh, or a forward of any sort. If you look across the scores generally, a lot of the, these gun forwards still struggle against Melbourne. They'll, they often notch their lowest score of the year against them. So two, two games against Melbourne in the first five rounds is a bit of a, a bit of a down. And so um, I, I might actually pull them out and then, you know, Put someone else in there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, look, I, I'm just going to keep an eye on him, I think, see how he goes in the next few weeks. Definitely watching him in the trials, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so after Woodsy, there's a bunch of players here. You've got Josh Maguire coming off a career year, Ryan James with some uncertainty on where he's going to line up, Hess, Tolman, Eisenhuth, JWH, Finucane, James Graham gone to the Dragons... Um, Jesse Bromwich, he's cheap. Mate, there's a big list of guys here. Corbin Sims, I don't know why I even said his name. Stupid Matt Pryor, who I started with last year. Is there anyone in that sort of 300 to to sort of, what is it, 530k price range that jumps out at you? There's a lot of names there that you kind of think, you know, it sounds good. You know, James Graham, he's priced at a, a 52 average. Um, which you know, this has been been as lowest for quite some time. Uh, the question mark obviously is how 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 many minutes are on offer at the Dragons. You know, if, if for me, I, I just don't know. I don't think I could go there for for round one. Uh, Jesse Bromwich, obviously, uh, he burnt a lot of people last year. 
Uh, myself included, I started with him, and the, the one of the good trades I made was to get rid of him in round two, uh, rather than try to wear it out, and I turned him into Nofaluma, so that was a good win for me. Um, but, yeah, look, he, he should get the minutes. He's obviously the best prop um, at the Storm, although Osofa Solomona might put some you know pressure on him for that role if, this year if we think he takes the next step up. So... It's really, I mean, if he gets bigger minutes, close to like 55, 60 minutes, which he used, was getting fairly consistently the year before, and, you know, he, he'll definitely improve on a 46 average, which is what he's priced at now. It's just, he's never really going to get to a premium forward gun level again, I don't think, unless he gets really big minutes like he was in 2016. So that, that's the question. You Do you start with him, let him make, you know, 50 grand, 80 grand maybe if you're lucky, and then spend the trade getting rid of him. It's, I think it's, uh, it's, it's something you've got to consider. Um, yeah, look, none of the other names really jump out at me. I mean, Joseph Tarpanay, if he, if he does get to play on the edge, if Whitehead moves into lock, uh, and he gets that right edge, he could be worth a look. Obviously, he spent a lot of time coming off the bench, but still, you know, having a fair bit of impact. Um, from in terms of attacking stats, so yeah, look, there's a co- couple of question marks, guys that you want to keep an eye on, but I don't necessarily think you you want to start with. Yeah, it's tricky. It's it's. I mean, front row is, is a bit tricky, you know. Now that you look at it in detail, there's a lot of guys in there that have you know definitely some pros and and sort of say pick me, pick me, but a lot of cons and a lot of unknowns with these guys as well. So I think I think everything will start to become clear over the next two or three weeks um, with regards to, you know, do you go for one of the top five and one of these sort of more cheaper mid-ranges or do you go for a couple of mid-ranges here? Um, definitely going to be a couple of, uh, a few different um, strategies playing out, which is good. I think some of the guys for our bench positions, uh, I don't think we need to talk about Lodge and Latu, um, they are holding down my two front row bench positions at the moment and they've been covered uh, in many other sort of pieces and articles and stuff so far. Mate, you've got Kane Evans here. I, it, no way. If anyone picks him, <laughs> they're, they're kidding themselves. He he was all the rage last year or the year before, whenever it was, and he was an absolute dud. So I won't be going near him. Cassiano... Look, what just because he's skinny, everyone thinks he's going to get good all of a sudden. I, I'm not sure about that. I won't. Yeah. Be do, I won't be picking him. Yeah, look, I, I probably wouldn't either. But it's just because he's so highly owned. Um, I think the, uh, I think the the boys were talking about last time that he was actually the seventh highest owned front row forward, um, at at the time they did their recording. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I put the name there because obviously he, he's still quite popular. Um, I'm not sure if that's gone down or not, but yeah, look, I don't think I could go there unless he's, we're seeing that he's getting big minutes, as in 40 or more, um, cause obviously he'll make a bit of money there. I still wouldn't want to play him in my 17, so he'll just be, you know, he's, he's almost not, not cheap enough to be able to just park on the bench and let him make some money. Um, but if, you know, the cheapies don't show up, we might not have a choice. But look, Kane Evans, I wouldn't write him off because he got such a little minutes last year. Write him off, that, mate. He's done. Or look, I'll, I'll just throw this in there. If he <laughs> scores, if he scores like he did in 2016, which is the dud year, he will actually still make money from where he's priced at the moment. All right, so I'll leave it at that. He okay. will make you know enough money, um, you know, assuming that he does get maybe one or two attacking stats, he'll make enough money to work make worth trading him out later. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> not. I don't know. I'll. I'll... It was just yeah. so, so frustrating that season, so frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, yeah, it might be worth just hoping for some of the cheaper options to show up rather than punting on, you know, the likes of Evans or Cassiano. Um, for example, Kikau, who's a very popular one who's gone around, especially since the, the Cardi news came around. Um, look, I, I rate him a lot as, a, as an actual player. I just don't know if um, Hook's going to give him the minutes, even with Cartwright moving on, because... There's Peachy who could play Lockett and was playing lock in 2016. Um, you know, depends on how, how he covers. I mean, if he ends up running, you know, Isaiah Yale for 80 minutes on the left edge and um, CHN for 80 on the right edge, you know, where the minutes going to come from. It's just there's so many unknowns there. 
a um, couple of other names like Braden Ueli, I think that's how you pronounce it, from the Sharks. He's well in the mix for a bench spot, apparently. There's um, Pasika from the Seagulls, who, I mean, with Brenton Lawrence going, uh, there's definitely a spot that's opening up there. One of the bench props has to move into a starting role. Um, and, you know, he's one of the rookies who, who could be in line for a, um, a spot on the bench. And he's bottom, he's like 164K, so he's bottom, um, you know, price there. And there's also Lindsey Collins, he of the um, mullet fame uh, at the Roosters, who's uh, 177K, but I, I don't know if he's going to get the minutes as, you know, we, we know Trent Robinson doesn't like giving his young props many minutes. Mate, this is why you took it out in 2016, because you just talked about three blokes who I've never heard of in my whole <laughs> life. <laughs> it's all right. All good. I've been doing research. <laughs> That's good. That's beautiful. Mate, how good were the... Remember the days when the bass player was 87K? Oh, I, I, yeah. I do remember that. 87,500 or something. Those oh. were the days. Those it were was. The days. When the cat was 5 mil. It yeah. was so easy to calculate everything. I know. Everything changes every year, and you've got to work out... You go, oh shit! This bloke's five hundred k. He must be awesome, and you know, and then it works back to like a, what would that be? That's a fifty something average, I think, wouldn't it be? This year, um, yeah, I think I think the the, the numbers are around yeah. like eight thousand eight hundred. So yeah, so that'd be about a fifty five or fifty six average. It's yeah. it's just so confusing every year. Yeah, it, once you adjust, it's not too bad though. It, it does take a little bit of an adjustment at first. Yeah. No, yeah, you kind of think Jared Wurry Hargraves to 500k. That's what you're looking at this year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, let's just pause here for a word from our sponsors, and we'll jump back into it with second row. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, mate, second row. Let's do it. Let's run through these a little bit quicker than front row. Let's go top five. Just let me bring up my list here on the screen. I'm going to go off that onto here. Okay, mate, big guns here. Gallon, Taumalolo, Mannering, Trebojevic, Crichton. Big guns. I've got Mannering and Trebojevic of those five in my team so far, uh, along with Merrin sitting there as my third starter. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting with Murray, Arrow, and Leilua. Uh, on my bench at the moment. Again, sort of a couple of those just placeholders to see what happens. But, mate, what do you think about these guys? Let's go with the first. Let's do them two at a time. Gallon and Talmalolo. Big money to pay for these boys, but when you pay big money, you get big rewards, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, Gal, 76 average. He played all 24 games last year, which is incredible. Um, obviously, he retired from Origin and, and other test footy, so that probably helped. Um so the stats from 2016 and 2017 are almost pretty much identical. Um, the, the big question is really, you know, can he stay fit? If he can, then I have all the confidence he'll average 75 or thereabouts yep. as he's, he does every he's time. A beast. He's a yeah. beast. Again, yeah, like you say, it's a little bit of a punt on fitness, but he's a beast. So I would not discourage anyone from selecting him. He's in my team. Beautiful. And Tamalolo, I mean, I wrote a player of interest on him. Um, if you haven't had a look on the site, uh, I'd go into better detail. He averaged 75.3, which is, you know, a really, really great number. Um, played 22 games. He was only missing two because he got suspended for the shoulder charge. Um, I guess the question really is, you know, is he going to get the minutes? 
Yeah, exactly. What well, I'm just bringing it up here. His increase. What was his increase in minutes year to year? Oh, no. He went. He went from 52 up to 63. Yeah, a massive. It's like what 11 minutes per game that he's gone up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you look at the breakdown, I say only 11 of his 22 games were actually, you know, not injury affected, not HIA affected, um, not not him benefiting from from other people getting hurt mid game. That's without even taking into account, you know, it's it's not that he's he's competing with game time with the likes of you know. Uh, Patrick Mago and and all these rookies, not and Pat Pat Kafusi, um, you know that was the starting prop at one point. Uh, he's not competing with minutes with Matt Scott and and with this year Jordan McLean as well. So there's a huge difference in quality of the other middle forwards that he was having to fight with for minutes last year compared to this year. So yeah, I can't go near him. And look, there's a lot of uh, differing opinions. If you have a look at the play of interest, um, you know a lot of valid points. So. I think it's going to be a case of have a look at the numbers, look at it yourself, and make a, make a decision. Yeah, interesting first four games for the Cows as well. Sharks, Broncos, Melbourne, both of those two away, and then Panthers round four. That's a that's a tough first four games. Yeah, especially if, if they're having to travel for all of us, um, or, or at least travel to Melbourne. That's always a tough one down there. Yeah, exactly. All right, Mannering comes in third and Travojevic comes in fourth. Uh, 74 average for Mannering, 73 average. Both be- both of them are beasts. I've got both of them in my team. Um, pretty pretty consistent, pretty reliable. Turbo, probably a few more attacking stats last year than we would have expected. Um, so question there, probably, you know, can he maintain these attacking stats this year? And Mannering, probably minutes would be the question mark there, wouldn't it? Yeah, and that and whether he might actually end up spending some time on the edge. Obviously, with Bernie Thompson gone, there's 80 minutes that used to be week in, week out that has to be replaced. Who knows what Stephen Kearney's going to do? He tried Mannering on the edge for a few times. Um, he tried Bunty Afoa, who I know, he, he looks good on paper. Um, his stats are quite nice, but on the field, he was rubbish um, in terms of his defense. He was constantly exposed, so that, I think could mean he doesn't get a spot. Obviously, you know, the Warriors signed the likes of Parsi and Pulu, both who can play middle and edge. So there's so many question marks there that, for me, I I just don't think I could take that punt. And I've started with Mannering every year for, like, the last two years. So it's a big call for me to not go with him, but I feel more comfortable without him at this stage. Yeah, isn't it interesting, hey, sometimes it just depends... If you've had someone previously, you know, like I've had Burgess every year and I just feel like it's time to have a year without Burgess and I've never really had Mannering and I feel like it's a year to ha- it's time to have Mannering. Isn't it strange how it just works out like that sometimes? Yeah, well, it would have been good to start with him last year because he obviously had his best season. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, well, and I'm, the- I'm always behind the times. <laughs> And then obviously Jake, um, well, he is a beast. I love watching him play. He's so good. Um, and, and his combination with his brother will only get better. So look, there's every chance he maintains those try, um, the, those attacking stats, but you look at 2016, he scored four tries, had three try assists. He actually only had, uh, he had zero try assists in 2017, but he did have nine tries himself. So that's a, that's more than Vaughn, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, Vaughn scored eight, he scored nine. That's a, a pretty big number to keep up. Um, looking in terms of looking at his other stats, he wasn't he wasn't hugely different. He did a lot of the same things. Um, he was a little bit more effective in terms of being able to 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 convert more of his runs to over eight meters. But I think the question really comes down to whether you think he can maintain his attack. And if he does, then yeah, start with him. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find out of those nine tries, how many of them did Tommy Turbo assist on? Because I feel like he goes looking for his brother sometimes, trying to set him up. Yeah, well, I think they've just got that sixth sense. They just know with each other. They know where the other guy is and looks for the offload or, you know, to, to be able to pass them. Yeah, exactly. And Crichton, fifth on the list, only got four fingers this year. Six hundred. Nine. Nine, sorry, four fingers on one hand. 
600k, huge breakout year. Signed with the Roosters, surely he's a stay away. Uh, look, I think he's a really tough call because he was an absolute beast when he played 80. So obviously he played 22 games, but five of them were off the bench, or or four of them were sorry, four of them were off the bench, and the fifth one he got um, benched mid-game because he was having a shocker. Um, but from his other 17 games, I mean, average 76 and a half minutes, his average score was 77.6 in those games, mm. which is just ridiculous. I mean, that, that shoots him straight to the top of this list. Um, so, you know, you sure he had, he had a lot of attacking stats, but even from his, just as his, his numbers from his base and base attack, playing the 80 or close to 80 minutes, 65 points per game, which is insane for an edge. Mate, that's huge. Can he still catch, though? <laughs> You'd think so, because apparently his finger, he couldn't bend it anyway. Okay. So that's why he just got it cut off. So that's I don't think ridiculous. he was using that finger to catch it with, to catch the balls with. That's so, nuts. And it is. I presume he's not a jewel this year, is he? No, so that's a big downer. Yeah. But look, like I said, even if he's second row exclusive from his 80-minute game, 17 of them, um... He's he averaged more than Gal, so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Hey, it's just a, it's that, a big that, call. If he hadn't signed with the Roosters for 2019, he would be very popular, I'd say. But I mean, surely the fact that he's done that, it's it can't have a positive impact on his season this year. Yeah, look, I, I think so. That that it could um, definitely impact him negatively. Uh, look, as a counter argument. He's just such a gun, and you know he wanted to get back for round one, which is why he actually cut his, he got his finger chopped off. Um, that was his call, and he decided to do it so he could rehab it and get back in playing. So obviously he's still got that commitment there. Um, it sounds like he really wants to play footy. Um, his coach, obviously, you know, first year coach, he's got one of the best edge back rowers or in the comp. You know, obviously based off last season, he'd be crazy not to use him as much as he could if he wants to have a good first season and, and you know, obviously set up his, his, his uh, tenure um, as a as a first-grade coach. So, you know, that's counter-argument, playing yeah. devil's advocate. Who knows? Yeah, mate, isn't it ridiculous? To, he was that keen to get back that he cut off his finger. I dislocated my pinky finger playing rugby, and after that I retired. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> I why, that's why he's at the Roosters now, hey? <laughs> yeah, I know, and I'm on a podcast talking about Supercoach. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, okay, so worth mentioning here, DeBellin, Papali, Gillette, Nathan Brown, all higher averages than Sergis, who was third on the front row list, as you mentioned earlier, but 11th on the second row list. So there's a there's a lot of quality in the second row, isn't there? That's the thing, and I think that when I realised that, it made me really think, what are the, some alternatives to you know, paying top dollar for some of these front row guys who actually, you know, you could find five guys better in the second row mm. um, who, who are going to get you potentially five points per game more than what you're going to get out of whoever you're paying for to play in your front row. So, I mean, Vaughan, highest, highest scoring, he was averaging 67, 68, you know, from our top five guys, we're still above that number. Yeah. Um, which is it? Yeah, I mean, it's worth thinking about it. And like, is it an option just to pick a couple of mid ranges and 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 just load up cheap in the front row and then just gun up at second row? Mate, maybe it's twenty ten Supercoach all over again. Just stack the second row. Yeah, just it's it's not it's not Parker and Gal and and yeah. um, Hindmarsh anymore. It's <laughs> the new the new wave. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, who else interests you in the second row? I mentioned earlier I've got Merrin in my side. He's, I think he's he can only improve this year. Um, so I'll, you know, he, yeah. he sort of came on in the back half of last year. So I'm happy to stick with him. Um, who else is jumping out at you from sort of that 400 to 550 price range? Uh, Cam Murray's in my team. He's actually in my third starting um, front row. Uh, sorry, second row um, at the moment. And it's based on him playing 80 minutes in the back row at, at lock. Um, I, I don't know if some people have read, but I posted an article I found from the Rabbitohs website where it actually mentions that he's, you know, slated as playing 80 minutes. 
So, I mean, it was a fa- NRL fantasy-related article, but it was still posted by the actual Rabbitohs website. So, I mean, you know, it could it could be nothing, and it could be, you know, after weeks one and two, he's only playing 50 minutes, and then I'll be trading him out straight away. But, uh, you know, if he's even if he gets 60, 65, he's going to make money from what he's priced at. Yeah, so exactly. He's, he's in a lot of teams, isn't he? He's I think in so. My team. What did he? He averaged. So he averaged 51 minutes in nine games last year. So, like you said, you really need 60 or 65 to make it worthwhile. Hey. Yeah. Well, he's only priced at a roughly 46 average or thereabouts. So, you know, when he was playing 80 minutes, or I think 70 to 80 minutes, he was averaging 60 plus easily. So. You know, if he's got a he's got a pretty good work rate, so if he gets 60, 65 minutes, he'll still be like, you know, making at least ten points per game above his average. So worth worth starting with, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Dry Arrow and Bryce Cartwright up there at the Titans. Um, I saw an article today where, obviously, we've all seen the article saying that Cartwright uh, looks like he's going to start at lock, uh, but the the coaches come out and said that Arrow will be in the team even with Cartwright arriving. So I don't know, did you take that as being in the starting team or in the 17? Because it wasn't, it wasn't quite clear from what I read. Yeah, to me, I assumed it just meant he'd be in the 17, yeah. not necessarily in the starting lineup. And look, he's, he's not really a prop. I mean, yeah, he's a middle forward, but he's really a defensive specialist. Um, he, he, he works his butt off and he, he has some nice footwork and whatever but he's not he's not you know a media reader um which he's he's no jared wallace let's put it that way no no not at all so again he was he'll be in a lot of teams from the pre bryce cartwright move um yep. but i think we just need to keep an eye out on trials to see where Jairo lines up and if he lines up on the bench he might only be getting those sort of you know 30 minutes a game now that he averaged last season so yeah, well, I, I've dropped him from my team. Yeah, I've dropped him from my team after I found out. Yeah, okay. Um, any, any random rookies you've got for us in the back row? Not really. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty skinny. Obviously, um, we've got Tane Milne, who's dual position. If you're not plugging him in your centre wing, um, I'd like to have as many centre you know centre wing um, outside backs playing in my second row as as I can because obviously they usually make money a lot faster than the bench forwards that you usually get um but you know depends on if we're going to get the cheapies at, at center wing for starters too so um that's one option uh look Leilua Jr uh who's in the mix to take some of Joel Thompson's minutes at the Dragons uh you know he he's probably just going to be a bench forward I can't see him getting the starting gig and even if he does I don't think he's got quite got the fitness to be able to play big big minutes but at least he's got a spot, and he's 177k. Um, and the other name that I see around a lot, at least in terms of talking about the future, um, I mean, they've, they've mentioned Billy Magulius. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but he's been hyped up as Gal's successor at lock for the Sharks. So if this might really be Gal's final year, then you'd think it makes sense that he's going to get some time playing lock this year. Um, you know, getting ready to take over, basically. So, you know, um, when, if that's round one or not, I don't know. But it's a, a name to keep on the list, I suppose. Billy Magulius. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, I think he was is one he, of is, uh, he a, is he a big bopper or...? Uh, I think he, 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 he looks a bit like Gal. I, okay. I don't know. If, like, Sorry, in terms of the build... Um, I don't think he's like uh, he doesn't look like Fafita in terms of build anyway, but I think he was in one of Sangster's really early articles, so he probably just got a word, you know, a, a little tip from the club or something like that, and just wrote about it. Yeah. Okay. But the name's right. popped up a few times. Yeah, we'll definitely want to keep an eye out for you know maybe not at the start of the season, but maybe later on in the year. Yeah, and there's, there's not that many um, second row cheapies, that's for sure. No, I think like you say, you know, it's. Yeah, obviously, yeah, Cart- I've got Cartwright in 5.8, but, you know, if something comes up there, he can shift down, Jai Arrow, Leilua, Murray. Like you say, maybe it is you go for three guns in the second row as your starters and try and fill your bench spots with some of these other guys. Tane Mills an interesting one. I didn't actually realise that he was dual. Um, he's my fourth starting centre wing at the moment, but 
like you say, if there's a if a couple of other cheapies come on in the centre wing, he could definitely be a good option to slot down there into that fifth or sixth uh, second row forward position as well. So few few options there. We won't spoil uh, any more of the backs analysis. We'll leave that to uh, to Wen in and Perso for the weekend. But yep. mate, give us give us sort of a wrap up for the final minute or so. How what are you what are you sort of looking forward to seeing over the next couple of weeks? With the trials, just just the usual sort of who lines up where and who looks like they're going to be getting the minutes this year. Yeah, it's always hard to read into you know trial team lists. I just I, I do just want to see you know firstly fitness wise who who looks like they they've done well over the off season. Um, look at you know potential combinations in terms of how they line up, um, and and looking at yeah where they predominantly play. So uh, obviously. Crichton, Cam Murray, Cam Murray. Uh, I'd love to see how they go in terms of you know how they line up and how they're used. Um, obviously, Sam Burgess and, and his combination of Cody Walker. So uh, definitely a lot of interest in watching the, the Rabbitohs trials, mm. especially the Charity Shield. That'll be really relevant given that we'll see the Dragons and how they use their lure, um, Jimmy Graham, um, all, all of that. That's definitely something I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on there. I mean, I mean, last year I started with Jack DeBellin off the back of what he did in the Charity Shield. I saw him offload three okay. or four times in a couple of runs, and I thought I'm locking him in, and he 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 went off quite quite well at the start there. So definitely worth watching those games. Okay, excellent, mate. Well, look, thank you very much for jumping on the pod this week. We will have you on again throughout the season. Uh, we'll have your articles and stuff up on the website. And obviously we can read read you and the rest of the gang over at the, uh, the dailytelegraph.com.au as well. So thanks, mate. Good luck with the preseason and speak to you again soon. Thanks, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 